God and the universe. Is a creator of time and space really necessary? Are there good reasons for thinking the universe even has a beginning? If so, why assert that God must be the cause of the beginning? Royce will provide answers to these questions on today's episode of Ministers Minute, an installment of the Everyday Ministry Podcast for ministers with shorter attention spans. Shackled hearts, impossibly free. Welcome to the Everyday Ministry Podcast. This is Minister's Minute. I'm Chris, and I'm here with Royce. Say hey, Royce. Hey, how's it going, guys? <laughs> Minister's Minute is one of our shorter episodes where we answer quick questions. Today, we're going to be talking about apologetics, and this relates to our full episode that we did on apologetics, where we discussed uh, what is apologetics, the different kinds of Christian apologetics, and some practical ways that we can use apologetics in our lives. And today, Royce is going to be answering the question, is a creator of the universe necessary? A great way to answer that question is to look at the Kalam cosmological argument. So there are a handful of different types of cosmological arguments, but the Kalam is very specific towards the beginning of the universe. So that is more relevant to the idea of a creator. So what I'll do first is just run through the Kalam cosmological argument and its premises. And then there will be some questions within the argument itself that we can answer as we look at it. And then we can hopefully draw out the conclusion then that God exists and perhaps even that the creator of the universe is necessary. So the Kalam cosmological argument goes as follows. Everything that begins to exist has a cause. Premise two, the universe began to exist. And then three, therefore, the universe has a cause. And that's it. It's a really simple argument. It's, it's an airtight argument. It's a logically valid argument, which means the conclusion follows logically from the premises. So the real thing that you're going to want to try to answer then from there is, are the first two premises true? Because if those first two premises are true, then it follows, therefore, that the universe has a cause. And we'll talk more about the implications of the universe having a cause in a little bit. Okay, cool. So yeah, so now you've explained that, I guess the question would then be, why think the universe began to exist? There are multiple different sets of scientific evidence that would back the claim that the universe began to exist. So we can look at those first. And then there are a couple philosophical reasons that we could have for thinking that the universe began to exist and cannot exist eternally in the past. So the scientific evidences that I'll talk about in this episode will be the expansion of the universe and the second law of thermodynamics. So as we look at the expansion of the universe, there are some pivotal points in history that actually helped to solidify the idea that the universe is expanding. So in 1915, Einstein's theory of gravity actually showed and alluded to the idea that the universe was either blowing up like a balloon or else collapsing in upon itself. Then in 1920, the Fredman and Lemaitre, who were Russian mathematicians, created a model of an expanding universe, which took Einstein's theory of gravity at face value. So they were able to craft 
a model of the universe which predicted an expanding universe. And then in 1929, the American astronomer Edwin Hubble, through observations of the cosmos at Mount Wilson Observatory, found that the light that was coming to us from distant galaxies appeared to be redder than it should. The red shift actually confirmed that the stars, or even space itself, was moving away from us or expanding. And there have been many alternative theories um, to this idea of the Big Bang or expanding, expanding universe model. They, and they have been created, but unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for us, all of these models have been rejected as less plausible. So I think we can say pretty, pretty confidently that the universe is expanding and therefore had a beginning. Now, we can also look at this second scientific confirmation, which is the second law of thermodynamics. So according to the second law of thermodynamics, the energy in the universe, which is a closed system, especially if you don't believe God exists, which is a closed system, actually tends towards a state of disorder, which means it will eventually, the usable energy will be gone. So according to the second law of thermodynamics, this, yeah, so what, what it implies is that given enough time, the universe will eventually run out of usable energy. So the question that arises based on the second law of thermodynamics is, if the universe has existed forever, then why hasn't it run out of usable energy by now? If, it is, if it's a closed system that has limited energy and doesn't have energy being put in it from the outside, then why hasn't it by now if it's been in existence for eternity past? So that's a very strong affirmation of the idea of the beginning of the universe. So those are the two scientific confirmations of the, for the truth of premise two, which is that the universe began to exist. And then there are two philosophical arguments that I probably won't get into much in this, uh, this episode, but I'll just list them off. And then anybody that's interested, you could always look into these more. But one is the impossibility of an actually infinite number of things. So when mathematicians use the term infinite or infinity, it's more of a conceptual idea. And they're not actually saying that that can exist in the actual world. So to say that the universe is infinite would imply that there are an actually infinite number of past events. And if you look into that more, you can see that that results in all different number of absurdities. And then the second philosophical argument for the idea of a beginning of the universe is the um, impossibility of forming an actually infinite number of past events adding one member after another. So like going from one day to the next day to the next day. Like you could not do that in, in, to the infinite number. One example that I like for this is the, uh, the dominoes. Yeah, that's a good one. You can, yeah, if you want to hash that out real quick. Well, just the fact that if you have a line of dominoes, it may look infinite in one direction or the other, but you know you had to have an initial first domino and a first push for the dominoes. And so mm -hmm. you can't have an infinite amount of dominoes. It would just mm -hmm. be uh, irrational. Yeah, exactly. Because then how would this last domino have fallen without the one before it falling? But then right. how would that one fall before the? Yeah. And then it just goes back into infinity and then you, you would never re actually reach the, the end. So yeah, it doesn't make sense. Based on the two scientific confirmations I just gave, as well as the two philosophical arguments, we can say with quite a bit of confidence that the universe began to exist. Well, that's cool. So I think the question after that would then be, we can agree that the universe began to exist. Then in terms of Christian apologetics, why would we assert that God was the cause or is the cause? Yeah. So when we reflect on the nature of the cause, there are ways to deductively 
actually understand what the cause must be like. In order for there to be a cause of time, space, matter, and energy, this cause must be timeless or eternal, spaceless, immaterial, enormously powerful, and a personal agent. So if you look at all of those attributes together, this fits perfectly into the description or idea of God that's generally given by theologians, particularly theists or monotheists. But the idea of a personal agent is really what kind of has always stood out to me as very, I guess, amazing to think about it. Because in order for the universe to have come into existence out of nothing a finite time ago, we would have had to have some kind of entity that went from a state of non-creation into creation. It couldn't have been just some sort of you know, creative mechanism that's always existed in a state of creation. It would have had to have come from a point of non-creation into creation in order for the universe to have a beginning. Otherwise, the universe would have just existed eternally. And in order for an agent to be able to go from a state of non-creation to creation, it must be personal, endowed with freedom of the will or intentionality, which basically means it must have consciousness or be able to think and dis make decisions, essentially a person. Um, that's always been a very powerful thought for me. And I think that's one of the main things that makes the Kalam cosmological argument such a strong ar argument for me. Mm -hmm. You can not only get to this idea of a spaceless, timeless, immaterial being, but you can actually go the step further to personal agent, which is very, very vital for the concept of God, particularly a biblical God. Yeah. Before we get into this last question of why should we assert that God is the cause of the universe, we're going to hear a quick commercial from one of our fellow podcasts on the Christian podcast community. Hey, I'm Daryl, and I'm here with my wife, Karen. What's up? And we're the hosts of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast, the podcast that seeks to answer the question that we all asked, what are we even doing here? We cover topics such as marriage, family, life, and living a Christian life in this crazy world. We don't have all the answers, but we know where to look. Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud as we seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace. So in summary, as we look at this question, is a creator of the universe necessary? I think based off of the scientific evidence that we looked at, the philosophical arguments that we discussed, that the universe did begin to exist. And the implications of that are that if the universe has a cause, then that cause must be timeless, spaceless, immaterial, powerful, and personal, which fits perfectly into the idea of God. All right, Royce, thanks for answering those questions. Uh, I think it's a great discussion to have, and I look forward to having more of them. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. If you have any further questions regarding this topic or any other apologetic topic, you can certainly email us at everydayministrypodcasts at gmail.com, or you can contact us on Facebook. We'd like to thank you for listening to today's episode of Minister's Minute, our on-the-go podcast released every second and fourth Monday of the month in which we seek to answer a specific question related to everyday ministry. Additionally, be sure to catch our full-length episodes that release every first and third Monday of the month, in which our co-hosts come together to discuss beneficial topics on doctrines and practices for the everyday minister. If you enjoyed today's episode, we encourage you to subscribe and rate the podcast through the podcast catcher of your choice. We can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and YouTube. Today, we pray peace and grace to you through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
and happy ministering.